Good evening, Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you all here to London School of Economics. Uh, my name is James Kerr Lindsay. I'm a senior research fellow in LISI, which is our research unit we have in the European Institute um, working on Southeast Europe. It often seems that Serbia is rarely out of the news. For much of the past 25 years, obviously it's had a, a very close link with the wars and conflicts that struck the Western Balkans. But for those of us who watch the region, I think we see you know, a much more positive era emerging. Uh, as many of you will be aware, Serbia started its EU accession talks earlier this year. It's also embarked on an impressive range of economic reforms. But nevertheless, there are a number of issues, outstanding issues and concerns that exist. We can think, for example, of um, relations with Kosovo, uh, the chronic political turmoil in Bosnia. Uh, more recently, there have been questions about Serbia's relationship with Russia uh, and, of course, the unfortunate incident um, relatively recently with Albania at the football match. Internally, too, there are a number of different areas um, that people are concerned about. Um, so, for example, the recent EU progress report raised concerns over rule of law issues, um, efforts to tackle corruption. Um, there have also been increasing voices heard um, expressing concern over freedom of press in the country. Then, of course, there are a whole host of economic issues that have got to be tackled. I'm delighted this evening to be able to welcome Aleksandr Vucic, Prime Minister of Serbia, to address a number of these issues. By way of background, he was born on the 5th of March 1970 in Belgrade. He first entered Parliament as an MP for the Serbian Radical Party in 1993, and in 1998 he was appointed Serbian Minister of Information during the Federal Yugoslav Presidency of Slobodan Milosevic. In 2008, he resigned from the Serbian Radical Party and joined the newly formed Serbian Progressive Party as Vice President. In May 2012, he became leader of the party. Shortly afterwards, the Progressives entered government as part of a coalition and he became first Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Defence. Following elections earlier this year, he became Prime Minister of Serbia on the 27th of April. Prime Minister, would you like to take Dear students, ladies and gentlemen, it is really wonderful to be here at the London School of Economics. And when I'm standing here, I see many of you who are not from the UK, and I don't know if you know, but I was like you here in London, but not studying anything. I was hard working in a hardware shop at the Gloucester Road, and uh, I was not successful as you are, of course. And uh, I did my best to earn something, two pounds per hour, if I remember well. Then it raised to 2.5 pounds, because I was very diligent. And <laughs> at that time, yeah, at that time, my boss was an Indian guy, Sagar, I still remember it, and uh, he was very satisfied with my commitment, with my dedication. And, uh, yep, even at that time, succeeded to spend some money uh, to buy that small radio cassettephone and to bring it back to Belgrade. And I was, my parents were delighted when they saw it. But I, I raised this issue just to say to you that you should always know how happy you are and you should always know how much your countries need you and I'm saying that to all of you that are not from the UK and I hope that I want to encourage you, most of you if not all of you and you are the elite of your country to go home and make your countries better I mentioned, I mentioned that my case because and things that I learned here. Just because after that I became a student at Law Faculty of Belgrade University and I think that I was one of the best students 
of my generation. And uh, today, as you can see, at least we can try to do something for our people and for our country. I thought how to refer to you, how to address you, and what to speak about that you haven't already known about Serbia and about all of us from the Western Balkan region. And there are always political issues. Many people would say stupid political issues coming from Balkans and there are always something in mass and you cannot get a clear picture what one guy will say to another guy and what might happen in future. But I can tell you something that is very important for all of us and for the future of Western Balkans. I don't think that politics matter in a way that it used to be. The economy is something of the biggest importance, something of the biggest significance for the whole Western Balkan region. And as Serbia looks to reassert and redefine its identity in Europe, we, of course, find ourselves faced with many challenges. It is important that we have an open discussion about these challenges, and that is what I wanted, that, what I wanted to spend some time talking about today. Our region, as James said, has been plagued with wars and conflicts for centuries. For centuries, and I'll tell you the story when I met first time uh, in the capacity of Defense Minister Leo Panetta, Pentagon. He, you know, he was finishing his career, you know, great secretary, and uh, saying, saying to me, referring to me with the words, "Well, I'm an Italian origin, and we Italians are very famous of our pizza." nice women, and, uh, great football players. What's you Serbs? What can you offer to the world? What can you say about yourself? What can you boast of yourself? And of course I said immediately, Novak Djokovic, you know, number one tennis player. And he said to me, but no, I mean more generally, you know, what, what can you say about your country, your people? And I was not able today, I would respond differently. But that time, two years ago, I said to him, well, you know, the only thing that I can really speak, out, speak, speak about right now is the fact that in the last 100 years, I think that we were the nation that launched the biggest number of wars. We did not skip a single one. <laughs> and I hope, and I really hope, and I really hope that we'll be able not to have the same experience in the next century. And I can tell you that actually recently we have made significant progress in the area of regional cooperation. And our relationship with our neighbors is better than it has been in decades. And I can say that my first visit as a prime minister was my visit to Bosnia, where we, of course, admit territorial integrity and sovereignty of Bosnia. Dare to say that we have never had better relationship with Montenegrins than we have it today. We have no problems with Macedonians, not any more problems with Croatians, and they don't have any problems with us as well. And uh, we are doing our best to make huge progress in that negotiating process in Brussels uh, with Kosovo Albanians. I think that we both did a lot of concessions to reach that Brussels agreement, and we hope that they'll be able to form very soon their government and that will be in a position to carry on these talks. And uh, yes, we have the best possible relationship with Romania, with Hungary. Um, we are improving this relationship every single day. 
And regarding Albania, which you have just mentioned, I can tell you that after 68 years, and even after these terrible incidents, and I'm not going to make my own view on that incident, because my colleague, Prime Minister of Albania, he has a completely different view on that completely different angle of the whole incident. But, you know, after 68 years, the leaders of Serbia and Albania will meet each other in Belgrade. It, it will happen on my invitation, and I'll meet Edirama on 10th of November, if I'm not wrong. 10th of November, after 68 years. Last time, Tito spoke to Enver Hoxha in 1946. Can you believe it? Neighboring countries for decades. But it shows that we succeeded to overcome many hurdles, many obstacles, and that's why I said to you that the economy is by far the most important word in Western Balkan region. Saying that I have to confess that we do face a lot of challenges and that was the reason why we had to launch, why we had to start very, very important and significant economical reforms. First of all, we passed in our parliament very modern new labor law, new privatization law, new bankruptcy law, new retirement age law. Then we had to start with fiscal consolidation measures to reduce our budget deficit, to reduce our fiscal deficit, and also to do something in regard to decline our public debt trajectory. And it means that we have just approved in our parliament yesterday or the day before yesterday supplementary budget or measures that actually means that we're going to cut public wages and some pensions and of course it is not popular and I dare to say that we are the first country in southeastern Europe that is actually taking these measures with no pressure from outside and you know that all the others if they were doing such a thing they were doing under terrible pressure of EU and all the others from international community. We are doing that not because of someone else, we are doing that because of us. And I'm saying that I think that we are doing that for future generations because we don't need mercy. I'm not here and I did not come to London even in those meetings with all the officials, I'm not going to beg for Brits' money or someone else's money. We are capable enough to earn our own money, and that's why we need real reforms, and that's why we are so dedicated in that process. And uh, I can tell you that, of course, this is not easy. People are not jubilant about it. You can just imagine that when you face an anger of people that were waiting for 20 years to reach a better life, to have something better for themselves and for their families, and there is another guy coming and saying, okay, all those were irresponsible, but now we're going to cut your public wages or we're going to cut your pensions. And they don't need to know anything about fiscal deficits. They don't need to know anything about public debts. And I'm just challenging you to imagine all the difficulties that we as, politician, as politicians will have to face with. Of course, we are doing our best to make Serbia as a good place 
for investment, and that's the reason why we're going to, in several days, create that one-stop shop registration system, and also we'll soon change regulations on construction permits that greatly impede our competitiveness, and we will speed up the permitting process and introduce a sophisticated world-class electronic permitting system. I'm happy to report that these reforms and others have already made a difference. My government has stepped up efforts to deepen existing bilateral trade ties as well as establish new ones. And I'm sure that you are aware of the fact, and I'm not going to hide that, that Serbia, I think, is almost, almost a unique country because we do have FTAs, free trade agreements with European Union, and on the, on the other hand, we have the same kind of agreement with Turkey and Russia, Kazakhstan and Belarus as well, which means that if we'll be able to raise our GDP, if we'll be able to raise our production, that we can make quite a something for our people and for the future of our kids. Of course, we... And that was something that I intentionally escaped to say at the very beginning because it's something that every single man that is coming here from Western Balkan region is reiterating and repeating at least 100 times in front of you. And whenever we go somewhere to Europe, we always say, yes, we are on our EU path, we are on our EU path, yes, we are for EU, and yes, after all, we are for EU. And I wanted to say that, yes, Serbia is dedicated to its EU path, and, uh, but we don't beg anyone to receive us and to accept us in a year, in two, three, four, five years. We'll have to do our job. We'll have to do a lot of preparations from our side. We'll have to make a lot of changes. We'll have to make a lot of reforms in order to deserve that status. And I can tell you that when Serbia hopefully will, will become a member state, EU member state, I'm absolutely certain that Serbia won't be the poorest country of EU. and absolutely certain that Serbia won't be a burden of EU. On the contrary, we'll be proud to be a member of EU, and I'm sure that all the other member states will like to see Serbia as a new member state. Of course, we have a good relationship with Russia. We have very good relationship with UAE, with China, with many other countries from all over the world, and we are going to strengthen our ties that might help our economical recovery. But we will not stop at economic reform. Any great democracy is built on the freedom to share thoughts, ideas, and opinions. We have passed three new media laws aimed at liberalizing the media market and ensuring greater media freedom. Unfortunately, while we are committed to improving our media landscape, and all these three media laws were greeted by European Commission, you can find it in EU in the last EU report, and by Venetian Committee as well. And while we are committed to improving our media landscape, we find ourselves being scapegoated for what are ultimately commercial decisions. And I will tell you, and I'm not running away from that issue. One recent example, it's a TV show impression of the week that was broadcasted on one private TV station and an owner is not a Serbian guy, he's a Greek coming from EU as I know. Due to some reasons, they say financial reasons, the other side say 
political reasons, they did not reach an agreement with the journalists and the show was cancelled. This did not stop the network from launching a campaign against the government, blaming us for ordering, ordering the private owner who happens to be an, as I said, EU citizen to cancel the show in order to curb criticism of the government. This is just one example, but enough to reflect some of the problems we still face. And I'll tell you something. I know that my past has made it easier for some people to blame me for any kind of alleged censorship. It might be a nice story, but it's simply not true. And to those guys that know nothing about my past, I was the worst Minister of Information in that government 1998 till 1999. And I hope that the adoption of these laws will demonstrate our commitment to not just liberalizing our media, but also helping creating a culture of engagement over serious issues across all public spheres. We amended our criminal code to bring it up to international standards. We have adopted an anti-corruption policy that is underpinned by a zero-tolerance approach. No one is untouchable and everyone is equal before the law, including people from my own political party, as was demonstrated already a few times. No one will ever be able to get rich at the expense of the state and the citizens, and we are already putting into place the mechanisms that ensure this. The last EU Commission's progress report released earlier this month was more positive for Serbia than for any other accession country. And I'm not absolutely satisfied. Over the last few years, we have made great progress in improving our human rights situation and ensuring that every citizen and every minority group is protected. And everyone who hurts their right will be brought to justice, as it happened during the last attacks on Albanian bakeries in Serbia. We arrested every single guy, every single guy that participated in those unrests. We adopted a comprehensive anti-discrimination strategy as well as a law on mental disability last year. We have also taken steps to protect children's rights. We have made efforts in the protection of the rights of the LGBT population. And a few weeks ago, we held the first gay pride parade in Belgrade, which was not married by violence. This was a huge step for Serbia and the demonstration of our commitment to protect and preserve human rights for all our citizens although I didn't want to participate in that parade. Yes, but Mayor of Belgrade, and he's present here, he wanted to participate in that parade, and he's a member of my party. What unites, that's a, that's a real freedom when you, can, when you can do it or you cannot do it or you, you want to do it or you don't want to do it, but all of your rights are preserved and you can do it absolutely freely, that's something that we can boast of it. What unites and drives all of these reforms is the need for political courage. Now more than ever before, we find ourselves emboldened with the political courage to go farther and to do more to change the dire situation our country has been brought to. The political courage to rein in public spending, the political courage to pass much needed labor reform, and the political courage to hold firm on our path to pursuing greater regional stability and economic opportunity. You know, you can, speaking about that labor law, which I'm mentioning for the third time, it's only two words, but we were not able to pass that modern labor law for more than nine years. That's quite a something. That's quite an achievement for us. To us, the EU is not merely a political and economic partnership. The EU represents a path towards prosperity, a path that will carve out new beginnings and more opportunities for our people. Despite the challenges that pave the road to EU membership, we continue on our path to economic and political reform, not only to demonstrate our commitment, but also to use this pursuit as a catalyst to better the everyday lives of Serbians. By 2020, we aim to finalize EU negotiations. Some say this is optimistic, but I believe that we are more than capable. Economically, we are ideally placed to build on recent growth. 
Politically, the pace of change has never been faster. We will implement the wide-ranging reforms needed to secure Serbia's rightful place as a full member of the European Union. Serbia has so much potential, and with the necessary reforms, we can once again become, I don't say a regional leader, but a pillar of stability in the region, and also one of the leaders in industry and agriculture, as well as a leading destination for foreign investment in the region. My goal is to ensure that in the next few years people will be able to see more highways built, more jobs created, and a greater level of prosperity for my people. In order to achieve change for the better, we will have to withstand painful sacrifices. It won't be easy. We will face many problems. But I believe in the promise of Serbia. I am convinced that we Serbs have what it takes to tackle the challenge, to tackle the challenges facing us and that our national strength far outweigh those challenges. I believe that with our talent, determination and a great deal of willpower, together we can ensure that our country lives up to its true potential. And at the end, I have to say to you that I'm not ashamed to admit here in front of you that we do our best to change ourselves. I'm changing myself every single day, learning new languages, changing my habits, doing my best to work harder, and all people from the government of Serbia are doing the same. And of course that we are not ideal, of course that we are not the best, but I hope that we'll be successful enough and someone else that might inherit something more than we did, will have better opportunities to create the best possible future for Serbian people. Thank you for listening to me and I hope that I'll be able to respond to some of your questions. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, Prime Minister. We now have about 25 minutes um, for questions, so I'm going to open the floor. I already see some hands going up. Um, Can I just ask a couple of things before starting? Um, The first is which um, is to wait until the microphone gets to you. Um, Please identify yourself um, and any relevant affiliation, um, and please keep questions short um, rather than make long statements. I think we're going to have quite a lot of questions, and we don't have a lot of time. Um, The first question I see saw was the gentleman just there. Hello. Is it working? Yeah. Good evening. Um, thank you, Prime Minister, for joining us tonight. My name is Stefan. Um, affiliation, I don't think is necessary. I'm just work, Serbian working in London. Uh, my question is, you just briefly touched on the media and the freedom of press, uh, and I think it's a field that needs a lot more attention. Surely not, not only the, the Utisak Nedelja or Impression of the Week is not the only show that's been cancelled. There's, there's a few more uh, on a few more televisions. And media experts are claiming that it's the worst state media has been uh, ever since, well, as you said, you were the, the last, ever since you were the, the Minister of, of Information, unfortunately. Uh, surely someone has to be held responsible for this state. And do you actually think it's only the financial side that's, that's the problem for media? Because it's, it's, it's a huge field, and e, I don't, personally, I don't think EU is um, going to overlook this when we try to get into the EU, finally. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Lady, just, uh, we'll take um, a a couple maybe. Um, Lady, just there. Hi, good evening. My name is Maria Georgian and I'm a solicitor here in London. Um, I have with me a client that has actually traveled all the way from Serbia in Belgrade. And his name is Nikola Sandulovic. And I would like to give him an opportunity to ask a number of questions. Um, Sorry, uh, excuse me. If the gentleman 
He speaks Serbian, and therefore I am introducing him because he cannot speak fully. He can understand, but he would like an opportunity to ask the I question like for myself. I would like to ask that, you know, please can we keep this relatively short? There's a lot of people who will have questions this evening. Um, Nicola is a former advisor of the deceased Prime Minister, and he's also the President of the Serbian Republican Party. And he has a, some three very important questions he wants to ask. The first one Please. question. No, this is, this is not, you know, this, there are a lot of people here. Please, can you just summarize exactly what the issue is here that you would like to ask the Prime Minister? I'm just going to quickly pass the mic to him to ask it in Serbian so that the Prime Minister fully understands the question. No, can you please translate for the benefit of everyone? This is an open public meeting. Um, what can you say about the total censorship that you have created that is against all opposition parties and about all opposition media and newspapers that you have censored? Okay, I think that's a nice follow-on to the previous yes. question. Um, <laughs> and I saw a gentleman just up there at the back. In fact, actually, seeing as these two are on key issues of press freedom, which I know is something that a lot of people have raised, actually, we'll, we'll pass this to the Prime Minister now, and then I'll return to the gentleman there. But these are two very interlinked, which are obviously uh, important issues. The issues that are raised are very important issues. And now you're going to hear the real truth. You, Stefan, said that there are several other TV shows that are cancelled. Yes. There is another TV show, a very important one. The name of the TV show is Problem, made by Mr. Sarapa. Yes. And you know what happened? It was such a strong political decision that finally that guy will move from one very small local television to the national TV station with the biggest number of viewers and he'll have the same show which he had at that small television. He'll go, I think, to Pink or to some other TV stations and he'll have at least 10 times more viewers than he used to have. I, it's good to say that someone censors something, and that's great to hear. And I was always insisting on that kind of freedom of speech. And in a way, it's good that you can say whatever you want, but I didn't hear a single proof from you, a single thing that will connect our government or myself with these things. I and I can, I can, I can, don't worry, I'll say something about that proof. Don't worry about it. You can hear something about that proof. You know, the guy that is saying that the guy that is saying that he is representing an oppositional party that oppositional party does not exist because they have 0.0% of the votes but he is claiming that he was an advisor of Zoran Jinjic Zoran Jinjic Zoran Jinjic you can say what please do it yes okay please do it did you, did you get more than 0.0%? Did you get it? No, it's not a joke. It's, a, it's true. Excuse me, can we please, you know, this is, this is not how this is meant to be conducted. You know, there was a chance to ask a question. If you want to, if, if, you know, there is an open floor. There are other people who want to ask questions. But I can tell you, I can tell you, my dear friend, something. This is, this is a kind of wonderful political gift to me. 
And I'll tell you why. The whole Serbia knows who that guy is. And I just don't want to just don't want to say anything to him because it will someone might think that I would dare to say the same things to you. And I would never do it. And he has never been. He has never been. Can we please stop this now? I'm, I'm going to move been. on to, you know, if this is... He has um, the lady at the, back of the, the lady at the back of the room, and sorry, the gentleman here, and then the lady at the back there. So, gentleman there, if you can ask your question, please. And one more thing. He has never been an advisor of Zoran Jinjic. It's, it was just a pure lie. Can we please, you know, can we please stop this? This is... Sorry, give me that evidence. Please. Prime Minister, please. Show us that. Come on. Come on. Excuse me. This is a public meeting. I'm asking you to please... Please show some respect. This is a public meeting. Everyone has... But if, Everyone has the right to speak and make their voice heard this evening. This is not your meeting. This is not going to happen. You know this is not going to happen. This is, please, this is a public meeting. Enough. No more discussion on this. The gentleman there, please, if he can ask his question. Please, we. And I'm responding to you with the same question: Who, who is responsible? Who is responsible when an owner from EU, private owner, is dealing with his stuff? What can I do with that? What should I do? To make pressure on him? No, I won't do it. I won't do it. Gentlemen, you finally, thank you for your patience. Uh, Mr. Prime Minister, Avram Balabanovic, a businessman in London, Brit Brit British Serb, if you will. Um, you, you started your uh, tenure in government in a very energetic way, and I wish you well. Um, the, would you apply the same level of energy to redraft the uh, hopelessly an inadequate law on restitution of properties that were confiscated by communists after the Second World War? And in particular, would you accept the principle that instead of government bonds, you repay the rightful owners property for property? Uh, the government is sitting at the moment on some, in some of those private properties. The government is letting some of those private properties to foreign embassies and collecting revenue. And it will be a no-brainer to do it that way because there will be no cash required and it will, it will encourage further investment in Serbia uh, because uh, that uh, pr property will be considered sacrosanct. Thank you. Okay, lady at the back. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dorian. I study at LSE, and I want to ask a question about the case with Albania. Um, do you agree with the actions taken by, this, by the Serbian football supporters who entered the football pitch and attacked Albanian players, and the claims they made that kill all Albanians until they're all dead? And if not, what are, you, what are your actions against this? I, I mean, real actions, because only one has been made public. And how does this affect your premises to enter? The EU. Okay. Thank you. And the, um, the gentleman just at the back there in the blue shirt. Arvind Sejdu, uh, British Albanian. What does it say about Serbian foreign policy that it held its first military parade in over three decades with Mr. Putin in attendance, while simultaneously threatening to postpone a historic visit from the Albanian head of state, Edi Rama? Okay, so we have three questions there, one on restitution, um, one on the football match, and then one on relations with Russia. Yes. Thank you for asking this about restitution, and as you know, we do face a lot of problems regarding 
the process of restitution and I'd like to hear you and to have you in our team to find the best possible solution to resolve that problem. And it won't be easy for us and you know that. But we are absolutely open to find the best possible solution for our people and I think everything that you said would be a just solution and we need to find the best possible techniques to resolve that problem. And uh, if you'll be available, I won't have any problems to call you, to invite you, and to discuss that issue with you. Regarding that football match, I didn't want to speak about it. But if you ask me, I, I will never run away from that. And as you can see, even UEFA thought the same as we did. They said that Serbia won the match 3-0 because of Albanian drone, because of the flag of Greater Albania. And can you just imagine the situation? And after all, I will not deny a part of our fault but the whole incident was caused because of that flag of Greater Albania. And uh, can you imagine the situation if some people will come with a flag of Greater Macedonia to Kareiskaki in Athens? What might happen to them? And nothing happened to any single Albanian. Our football players, Bani Ivanovic, Matic and all the others, protected Albanian players. Only 16 guys entered the pitch and Serbia police intervened and pushed them back. And we saved all 135 supporters of Albania. They were not attacked by any Serbian citizens. And, you know, I can only say to you that I hope that no one else and I'm absolutely sure that Serbs will never do anything similar with the flags of Greater Serbia or drones in Albania. doesn't matter whether it might happen in Elbasan, Valona, Tirana, wherever you want. But I think that we'll all have to overcome that situation. And that was the reason that I once again confirmed my invitation to your Prime Minister, Edirama. And uh, I'm absolutely sure I spoke to him a few days ago. I'm absolutely sure that we'll have a lot of stuff on the agenda, particularly our economical relationships. We established Another flight, I think, from Belgrade to Tirana, or it happened for the first time after many, after many years, it's a good sign. And we'll speak very openly, very frankly. I met him several times in China, Germany, some other countries, and absolutely sure that we'll be successful on that. Regarding military parade, yes, you know, it was 70th anniversary of the liberation of Belgrade, and uh, Belgrade was liberated by Soviet army, you know, and Russian Marshal Tolbukhin, Russian guy, was in charge of all Soviet units that, together with Serbian units, dealt with. Nazis at that period. And it was very obvious reason for which we invited Vladimir Putin to be present on that parade. And at the same at the same time at that press conference I said to that guy and I said to the whole audience that Serbia is on its EU path, not hiding myself somewhere else but a meter away from the Russian president saying what is actually a strategic goal of Serbia. And it's nothing to be hidden. 
And I cannot hide, and I don't want to hide that we want to preserve good relationship with Russia. But it doesn't matter, and it, it won't change our strategic aim, our strategic goal, which is to be a part of EU. And we are doing our best to come closer and to become a part of EU. Okay. Um, a gentleman just there. Uh, good evening, Prime Minister. Thank you for your comprehensive um, lecture. I've got a question. Last week, European Commission... I'm a master's student here at LSE. Uh, last week, European Commission uh, released uh, the results of the energy security stress tests, um, in which your country uh, was revealed to be one of the most affected countries uh, in Europe should there be any disruption to uh, gas supplies from Russia. Um, your country is heavily dependent on, on supplies from Russia. Yes. And that begs the question, uh, the European Commission provided a set of recommendations for Serbia to adopt uh, very quickly uh, the third package uh, by, I think, January, and implement the unbundling procedures. And are you going to comply with these uh, recommendations, and isn't that in contrast to your continuing support for the South Stream gas pipeline from Russia? Thank you very much. Um, lady just up there. Hi, my name is Jana. I'm a second-year economics student here at LSE. Um, I have one more question about the match. I, I know you don't want to talk about it, but just one more question. Um, you said that uh, the map, the appearance of the map of Greater Albania was a serious provocation. Why would you call this a provocation when the map actually doesn't violate the current official borders of Serbia? And do you think that this provocation justifies the violence towards the Albanian players uh, by the Serbian fans and Serbian security, including Serbian police? There's so many videos circulating in social networks that prove that. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And then I'm going to take um, a question just from towards the front here, this gentleman. Yes, yeah. Hello, thank you, good evening. My name is Milan Dinic, and I'm a student of the Media and Communications course here at LSC and MA. I'm also a journalist from Serbia, but I won't ask a media question, don't worry, um, because we have a lot of that today. Um, just one question. Mr. Prime Minister, in your statement today to Tanyuk, I believe, and also today here, you've said, uh, emphasized, I think, that we don't need um, we, don't, we don't need uh, mercy from the EU or from anyone else. You've emphasized that several times. Is that something that you would like to, you know, could you be more precise on that? Uh, is there something that you're distinctly getting from your European partners when you're talking to them? Or is this just bolstering for the local public in Serbia? And just one short thing, uh, you've announced a few days ago that here you're supposed to settle the issue on Jalazara and supposed to meet Jim Bouchard. You said it will be on Thursday, Wednesday, but in your press release I saw you saying that uh, you'll be here for two days. So are you going to meet Jim Bouchard or not? Thank you. Yeah, three yeah, important issues. Regarding South Stream project, we made a good contract with Russians on South Stream, but we committed ourselves not to commence construction work as the first country in Europe. It means that Russians will have to deal with EU and EU will have to deal with Russians. It's not up to us. I cannot say that it's a bad contract because it's not. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Even even if that gas won't flow through pipelines, we'll earn some money. And that's a good case for Serbia. But anyway, as we are on our EU path, we said to our partners and we so far fulfilled that promise and we're not going to break it. We are not going to start construction works without having decisions of all the other countries. And you're absolutely right. We are very much dependent on their gas, on the gas price. 
and we do worry very much about this winter and all the other winters that, that will come. I won't add anything about that issue with Albania because my attitude and uh, my stand is that we need to speak without such a terrible passion about these issues. We have our own interests to export a lot of goods to Albania. They have their own interests to export a lot of goods to our country. We have our own interests to connect our people. They have the same interests. And I'm absolutely sure that we'll be able to achieve that goal, both of us and both countries. Regarding, Mr. Dinic, your questions, uh, and as you know, I'm not flattering to anyone, not even to our domestic public. I don't do it. You know me personally, and you know that I'm not lying when I'm saying this. And I'm not flattering to anyone in the EU as well. And I was not saying, I was not saying that because they were offering us a mercy, but I was saying that because you know that the attitude of people in Serbia from time to time was towards EU, okay, when we're going to get something, or how we're going to get it, or how much we're going to get it. No, we want to change it. We want to earn our own money. We want to create best possible place for foreign investments. We want to create a real market economy. We want to be a hard-working people, well known of that. And that was something I wanted to emphasize. Regarding the steel mill, I think that tomorrow I'll meet Jim Bouchard tomorrow afternoon. And uh, yes, that is very important for us, as you know. People here might not know that, but it's about 1.5% of our GDP of that huge importance is that steel mill in Smederevo that we are doing our best to take care of. And you'll be, you'll be very much informed about it. Thank you. We're running out of time, but I'm going to take one more round of questions. Um, there's a gentleman um, with the tie. Yeah. Uh, good evening. My name is uh, Miloš Starović. Um, I would like just to say um, quickly one positive impression because uh, this morning I was coming back from Belgrade by Air Serbia flight and I have to say you can see the commitment to the deficit reduction because all the government representatives were flying economy class while business class, <laughs> while business class was completely empty. <laughs> However, I would like... Uh, <laughs> I would like to the, just ask a very quick um, question regarding the economy, given that we have uh, Serbian Investment Day uh, coming, uh, forthcoming Wednesday. Uh, what is the Prime Minister's outlook on uh, public-private partnerships, and when would you expect the first uh, PPP project in Serbia? Because that's some, some, something we usually get asked by investors or pe people related to that field, and we don't have like, adequate information to provide. What could be the important strategic projects that could be resulting uh, in PPP format? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, lady just there, in the end of the row. Yep. Good evening, Prime Minister. My name is Elena, and thank you for your speech. I would like to ask a question. If Serbia is ever going to take, like, choose a, a defi clearly defined position in uh, regarding uh, Russia and EU, because so far it seems that Serbia has been changing its position uh, depending on where the phone calls come from, that is, either from Brussels or Moscow, and that it seems like Serbia is never uh, having, uh, Serbia has never had a clearly defined position regarding where it stands between the EU and the relations to Russia. Thank you. Okay. Um, gentleman just in the, the middle here, yeah. Um, whichever one's closest. Uh, thank you. Uh, my name is Mikhail Rabrenovic. I'm former British government scholar that studied at LSE a long time ago. Uh, and uh, 
I would like to ask the Prime Minister uh, in which sectors is in particular uh, good uh, uh, potential for strategic partnership in economy, in which sectors of economy we could uh, establish good partnerships in the future, as the Serbian Investment Day is definitely a very important uh, chance for this. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to take one final question from the lady just there. There's nothing stopping the press, but this is actually, this is also the LSC. There are a lot of students here who, who have actually sort of want to be asking questions. So the lady there, please. Good evening, Prime Minister. Diana Delic, British-born Serb. And my question is about the UK visas. Is there any hope that the UK, or any progress that the UK is going to relax the visa regulations for my, my fellow Serbians from to come here? Because it's easy for me as, as a British person to travel to Serbia, but for my relations and friends it's much more difficult. Is there any hope that they're going to relax the laws? Thank you. So we have a question on deficits, another on Russia and EU, one on sector partnership, and then a final question on visas. Thank you. First of all, I'm very much proud of Air Serbia. It became the best regional airliner and the best regional, the best regional airliner, by far the best not even comparable with all the others in the region. And regarding that deficit issue, because it's all about, you know, Itihad is 49%, 49% uh, owner of our national airliner, and that's the reason why I can say to you that, of course, it's all about networking and connectivity, and most of the people, most of the passengers were not Serbs. And it seems to me that there are problems with deficits in some other countries as well, not only in Serbia. But yes, we do face that problem, and we do admit that problem. And that's our advantage. And I'm very much proud of confessing all the problems we are facing with, and we're going to resolve these problems. And uh, not accidentally, not by chance, I said to you that we are the first country in southeastern Europe that is taking care of that problem with no pressures from outside. And I think that is very important. That is something that will force us to work more, to work harder, and I hope that we'll see the results even in a year and a half, two years, that at least the first results will be visible. Don't agree with you that we don't have a very clear goal on our foreign policy, and uh, as you can as you can see here, you can find Serbs that are supporting us. You can find Serbs that are absolutely against the government. But that's 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 great. It shows only good things about our country. But none of them will say to you that. I would change my statement if someone might call me from London or from Moscow or from Brussels. I say always the same things in Moscow, in Belgrade, in Washington, in Brussels. And I'm very well known for that fact. And even all the European leaders, they do appreciate that. They know that we keep our promises and they know that our word means something. And I didn't come here to say to you that tomorrow we're going to say and we're going to do something against Russia. No. I was not flattering to you. I was saying to you that we'll keep our good relationship with Russia. But it doesn't mean that it will make any consequences or that we can even compare that with our strategic, the only one strategic goal, strategic aim, which is our EU path and full membership of EU. And that's it. And we don't change our statements. Regarding PPP, sorry, for, forgot it. Yes, we'll encourage all the people, all the companies from all over the world 
to work with us using PPP model and we can start with and we'll see whether to start with an airport of Serbia and I need to tell you and even to those who were laughing at the fact that I said that we had the best regional airliner we had the biggest growth among all the airports in Europe with the number of passengers 32% only for this year and it raised the price of Belgrade Airport and I hope that we'll find the best even possibly PPP model to resolve that issue because you cannot find a single, a single seat at Belgrade Airport and that's a, that's a good news for all of us regarding possible partners or which sectors we are mostly interested in it's of course automotive industry like Macedonia but it's IT sector mining sector and energy sector as well these are the most important sectors for our country, for our government and I hope that we'll be capable to find more strategic partners as we were looking for that steel mill in Smedarevo as well and at the end, regarding that relaxation of visa issue, we asked for that at least several times. And tomorrow, I'll speak to Mr. Hammond, and, uh, but it's not up to us, to be very honest with you. We'll do anyway our best to help our citizens out on that, on that issue, but it's really not up to us. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, we, we are now out of time. Um, I, many apologies to the large number of you who I could see wanted to ask questions. Um, it really has been an extremely um, important and useful exercise to have the Prime Minister here. Um, there are obviously a lot of issues um, that he was able to cover tonight, many more um, that weren't covered. Um, but I would like to thank you all for coming this evening and, of course, thank the Prime Minister again for his uh, attendance here at the LSE. Thank you.